We are continuing our Relationships Week, as I'm calling it, with a dynamic interview today about being selfish while dating. So in our last episode, we discussed relationships, but let's rewind a moment to dating, which is obviously the precursor to a romantic relationship. Why do we hate dating so much? Why do we seek to rush through it? Why can't we just enjoy it for what it is? Maybe you can, but I certainly never could when I was dating. The book at the center of today's discussion, The Selfish Romantic, How to Date Without Feeling Bad About Yourself is out January 24th. And as I say to Michelle Ellman, the wonderful soul who wrote the book, it's the book I wish I had when I started dating. Let me tell you about this force named Michelle. Michelle is an accredited life coach, broadcaster, and public speaker. She was named one of the sun's most inspirational women in the UK and quickly established herself as the queen of boundaries. She's been everywhere from stylist, Glamour and Grazia, ITV Daytime, BBC, The Telegraph, The Guardian, The Today Show, Teen Vogue, E! News, and MTV. I'm exhausted just reading that. This is Michelle's third book, and Cosmopolitan said of Michelle's book, The Joy of Being Selfish, that it is one of the best books on mental health that everyone should read. And I think everyone should read The Selfish Romantic, too, and I think you'll agree with me completely after hearing our chat. Take a listen. Michelle, welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're here today. Like I just told you offline, it feels like I've been chatting with you in a coffee shop for a week as I've read this book, getting all of the best romantic advice that you can give. And it's all so good. And I'm excited for listeners to hear this today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be on. And honestly, like it feels like I have such an intimate relationship with anyone who's read my book because I I don't... (laughs) think about readers while I'm writing it because I write such intimate and personal things and then it's out in the world and I'm like oh people know a lot about my dating life now we know a lot about your dating life and it's you know like- everything about my dating life it's like yeah. all eight single years written in a book and that's so brave and to have that kind of radical candor because it because it does feel like a very intimate book it feels like you're talking with a friend and that's because you really go there and allow us to go inside your world. And so I appreciate that, but that's got, that does have to feel very vulnerable and intimidating when, when the book is out there, but it's, it's so good. There's a thing where like, I I just don't think anyone can really be an expert in love. So I didn't want to come from the standpoint of writing it from an expert, hi, I'm a life coach position, which I very much did for the joy of being selfish, which was all about boundaries, but I had been teaching, preaching boundaries for Mm -hmm. five years. The book was basically already written in my head. When it comes to love, there's no way every reader picking up this book is gonna agree with you. And so I kind of came from the position of, I've messed up more than you have, (laughs) and I have no right to stand on a pedestal right now. So how about we both get down in the dirt together and we'll figure this thing out. Michelle, I don't know, you and I might be tit for tat for mistakes, but here we are, we're still standing. So, so good for us. But exactly. you just hope you, every time you just figure out 10% more, even yes. 2% more when you improve every time. Exactly. Well, the book offers advice on pretty much every aspect of dating and it's good advice too. And not just the standard run of the mill advice we've been given our whole lives. The best way I can put it is I wish I had this book when I started dating 500 years ago. I wish I had this book to read because I think I would have honestly dated a lot differently. And so I, I, I'm so glad that 
that younger people, people younger than me, and even people that are my age, I'm 36, have this book now because you write that this is a new kind of dating book. So can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, so I was very much telling everyone this is a different type of dating book. And I was just like crossing my fingers, hoping people would realize that once it came out. So it's so reassuring when you say that it does feel different and it is oh, different. Definitely. And exactly, I feel the same as you, where I wish I had this book when I was younger and it's all the lessons along the eight years. And what happened by accident was I actually got the book deal and it was pitched as a single girl's guide to dating and I was going to write it as a single woman. And then two weeks after I got the book deal, I ended up in a relationship. Yeah, so that's a very good and healthy one. But it, it didn't mean to be this bit adieu to my dating life and here's my final lessons. But right. it did. And I don't think it's coincidence I ended up in a relationship towards the eight years because I do think the way I dated changed and I I was very much more direct with my boyfriend now than I have ever been with any other person out there. And the more I moved through my dating life, the more confidence I grew. And I just didn't have time for the nonsense and especially through the pandemic. Dating was so difficult. Mm -hmm. but. I just I just cut out all that like the niceties which we are told to do because it makes you more dateable more likable but at the end of the day that's not who I am day-to-day -day life like a lot of my friends will tell you I'm not an easy person <laughs> and I don't take pride in being that easy person and I think women especially spend too long trying to fulfill this narrative of being easygoing low maintenance and you know what it's okay if you have needs and that does yes. not make you easy Yes. And that's the whole point of the selfish romantic is it is okay to have needs and it is okay to express them. And there's so many different points throughout the book where you literally give text message examples of ways that you can, you know, say I had a great time on our first date, but this isn't going to work for me. I mean, set the boundary. It's, it's just, it's so it's those are actual texts from my um, dating life. And halfway through writing this book, my WhatsApp crashed and deleted all my WhatsApp media where all those screenshots lie. So those are actually only half the texts from my dating life. But I included real texts because I didn't want to include perfect text examples. I wanted to show that actually it's OK to not rewrite the text every time you're texting someone. So as you see throughout the book, some of them are a little bit repetitive, but that's because because I'm not trying to communicate a different message. If I'm mm. ending it with one guy, I'm ending it with another. Sorry, but you're not going to get a 100% original text. So right. putting these real life examples and in some of them, I actually include the ones I could find. I actually include their real life replies and show that they range from really nice complimentary replies. There's one where who, who says like your job is so inspiring or something. Mm -hmm. And then the not so nice ones where one guy went lol whatever and made some quip about how um, I can't couldn't take a joke. And I show you both because it doesn't actually matter what their response is. The only thing I'm in control of is my behavior and my mm -hmm. communication and how they respond actually doesn't change how I communicate at all. Yeah. Yes, that's brilliant. So I'm, I want to go back to the original concept for the book. What inspired you to write this book? To be honest, it's very much shown in the introduction where I just got fed up of every time anyone talked about dating. It was a negative um, mindset, negative story. And I was like, 
I was maybe what three years into dating and I was just a bit like how the hell am I meant to enjoy dating if all anyone wants to do single or in a relationship is moan about dating like yes. even my friends who are coupled up are like oh I feel so sorry for you all my single friends are like oh this is so awful I have to go on another date and I just got bored of it like I would never tolerate that in any other area of my life and I was like you know what my dating life's not actually that awful and then I would go and sit on these panels and within my job I'm an influencer public speaker all of these things that put me mm -hmm. on panels where I talk about all kinds of things but my love life is not excluded and I get asked questions like have you been body shamed recently? And I recall this one talk on International Women's Day, a day that is meant to be empowering women. And the two questions I got asked about my love life on that panel were, have you been ever been body shamed and have you ever been fetishized because I'm half Asian? And I was just like, if you ask me these questions, I have to actually go back into my memory to one event for both of those stories. I have one event from when I was 18 years old, one with my first boyfriend and one with the first date I ever went on. But in order to tell that story, I have to ignore the last decade of amazing love life stories that I could have told you instead. And so I just wanted to write a book that number one, creates space for marginalized identities, because also I found that all dating books only really talk from the beauty ideal perspective of people who have things like being asked your number at the bus stop sorry but that's never happened to me in my life and <laughs> don't it's think it's probably happened to a lot of people exactly and if you have that as your expectation yes you are going to be disappointed when it comes to your love life but actually it's never stopped me from getting dates that I don't get asked out at the bus stop or in the supermarket mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to create a space for good dating stories create a space for people who look a little bit different. I have surgery scars all over my stomach. I am plus size, I am mixed race. And all of these reasons for one way or another, either implicitly or actually overtly, people have told me this should limit your dating pool and you're lucky to find someone. And actually I think the most insidious thing I've been told is if you find someone, then it's your personality would have compensated for that. And they won't say oh, that wow. word for word, but like you, it's still said implicitly when someone says something like, wow, he must really love you for you. And it's like, well, okay, but would you tell that to someone who looked like a model? Because I don't think you would. You would only right. say that. Or the way that if I walk down the street with holding my hand with my boyfriend and we walk into a house party, he gets looked at as if he's a saint for being with me. I'm like, how bloody insulting. That's just <laughs> disgusting to me. That makes me so vitriolically angry. You don't, like, you I mean, we don't know each other, but like you see it day to day in media, like with Lizzo. I mean, how many people were gobsmacked that Chris Evans actually replied to her? And it's just like, sorry, what's so shocking about this? This Grammy award winning, highly talented, like yeah. beautiful woman. Beautiful woman, like, yes. And but society shocked because we have such a narrow mindset as to what the beauty ideal was. So it was a book for all of those things. And it sounds bad to say I almost wrote it out of anger, but every time I picked up a dating book as research for this book, it did fuel me because I mean, I picked up some really old books and they talk about like how to understand men as if it's a secret language women should decode. Yeah. Telling women, telling men how to communicate directly. We're meant to understand things like, oh, well, if the emojis drop off, then they've clearly lost interest. And I just read them pulling my hair out, being like, 
or they could just communicate that they're not interested. Women are not precious flowers who need protecting. Most of us actually would appreciate being told that they're not interested anymore. And we would actually respond with, thank you so much for letting me know. I yeah. really appreciate it. Take Absolutely. care. Absolutely. You know, I grew up with the rules and juxtaposed the rules, which is, you know, was of its time, but it, with this book and it's just this, again, this is the book that I wish I would have had when I was 16 years old, 17 years old and starting into this world of dating. And I love your thoughts in the book about singleness. You write from the earliest age, especially as girls, we're told that we're not good enough unless someone loves us. We're told that if we are not coupled, it is because there is something wrong with us and we are unlovable. This persists into adulthood with innocent comments like, why are you still single? You, this is me talking usually at the family Thanksgiving table or something of the like. Uh, back to you. The subtext being that not being paired off is our own personal failing. And you write later that being single is not a problem to be fixed. So why is there nothing wrong with being single? Because I agree with you completely. There's that what's wrong is settling in a in a subpar relationship because of a fear of being single, I think. But why is there nothing wrong with being single? I think also I think the main thing I realized while I was single is life is long. And I actually realized this when I uh, my housemate moved out and one of my greatest fears is living alone partially because I hated being alone. I hated being single. I hated being mm -hmm. alone. So when she moved out, I was like, do I fill her room? And I was going back and forth and I spoke to one of my friends and she was like, if your life works out the way you want it to, you're going to be married majority of your life. You're going to have screaming kids in your house majority of your life, or at least for 18 years. And there are going to be days you are going to wish for silence. There are going to be days you are yes. going to wish to be alone. Yes. And I was like, you know what? So let's say hypothetically, at the stereotypical age that the world likes to tell you you should be coupled up, let's say hypothetically at 30 years old, I do get into a relationship. Will I look back at these years and be like, oh, I'm so glad I was single, or am I going to look back with regret? And so I actually looked at it from that perspective, looking back and going, you know what? I want to live my single life because whenever that happens, I want to be able to look at my single years and went, yes, I made the most of it. Mm -hmm. And then I, once I got okay with it, once I got okay with being alone, and you do have to go through an unfortunate, very uncomfortable period of, hating that loneliness, especially if you've never been alone before. Um, I didn't always like myself. And when you don't like yourself, you don't like spending time with yourself. So unfortunately, if you want to go on that journey of self-love and learn to like yourself and learn to love yourself even, you mm. actually have to start spending time with yourself alone. And I created that space consciously and actively in my diary. And people think, oh, okay, I'll love myself and then I'll spend time with myself. But actually it was the other way around. I had yeah. to spend time alone and I had to sit in the discomfort of being alone. Because what happens when you're alone on a Friday night and you haven't been invited to any house parties and you all your friends at work drinks and I was self-employed was I sat there and all that narrative that society feeds you like, this is because you have no friends. This mm -hmm. is because you're so unpopular. If you were more popular, you'd have more friends. If you were cooler, you'd be out at drinks. You're 22 years old and you're stuck on the sofa alone. What a loser you are. All of this shit that your brain says. Sorry, mm -hmm. I'm not sure I'm allowed to. Oh, you, can pass all you, want on, you can pass all you want on this show. That's <laughs> cool. we'll just um, throw an e-tag on it and we'll be fine. Perfect. Well, all this rubbish that you say in your head, you have to sit there and go, that's not true. I chose this. 
it's mm -hmm. okay and like over time it gets easier but it was once I got okay with being single alone I realized how much rubbish everyone else fed you and it was this light bulb in my brain that went oh I didn't think all of these things by accident mm -hmm. I thought all of these things because it's told you non-stop and the thing that confirmed it even more to me was actually getting into a relationship and the number of oh finally comments I kind of got and like the number of being like oh it's so like people will still say to my boyfriend like oh you still you you're so so lucky to have him or oh isn't she quite difficult to be with and I was like geez no wonder I thought he's like lucky. He, he you're lucky to have him he's lucky to have you exactly we're both lucky but the only person who gets told that is me not him and so but it's this societal thing and you know what it is when it comes down to it if you're single and you're listening to this it, what it comes down to is their discomfort with being single they grew yes. up in the same world yes. as you they have yes. not done the work to unlearn yes. the messaging around being single and a lot of that is ge generational a lot of that is earlier generations had a lot more shame on being single mm. and we still do have a lot of shame on being single but we do have more opportunity and I guess more um, reasons to take advantage of being single, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to dating apps. Like everyone wants to talk about the negative side of dating apps, but I'm like, okay, but I wouldn't go on as many dates if I didn't have dating apps. And mm -hmm. I can sit on my sofa and set up a date for the week without having to go to a bar, without having to drink alcohol, um, without having to go to a club, which frankly, I don't like those things anyway. Right. I have so much just, oh my gosh, I, I should be taking notes on everything you're saying right now, because this is even, this is just like the book, so much good. So number one, yes, when someone makes you feel bad about being single, it's not because being single is bad. It's because they're projecting their fear of being single onto you. Or, I mean, and look, we don't live that far away, at least in the United States, which I know you are not from the United States, but where it was just a generation ago where a woman couldn't even apply for a credit card in her own name. Women yeah. needed men to be able to exist. So I understand that, but that's a different time. It is not that way anymore. And another thing I wanted to hit on from what you just said is you're right. I think so many people give up in the being alone process and then falling in love with oneself because it is uncomfortable in the beginning, very uncomfortable, but then it becomes like there was a point for me when I loved being alone so much that I like, it, like I became like, you had to be really great for me to want to go out with you, you know, like, cause I enjoyed my own company so much and it took a lot of work to get there. But I think people give up and just settle for a subpar relationship or a subpar friendship or whatever, whatever so they can find, because it is uncomfortable in the beginning. But if you can persist and push through that, then you develop this beautiful relationship with yourself and you only will allow people in your life that add to that beautiful relationship with yourself. And I think that's really important. And that kind of goes to the book's title, which is the selfish romantic. So you write, I believe in order to have self-love, it is necessary to be selfish. It requires you to reorder your priorities to ensure you come at the top of that list. The word selfish holds a stigma in modern society because it is associated with the idea that you have a disregard for other humans. But when you regard others more highly than yourself, the unfortunate consequence is often that you are completely forgotten. I think one of the most loving things you can do for the people around you is to take care of yourself. When you don't, the people in your life often feel a responsibility to do that for you. So I would love to know why is it important, especially when you're dating, to be selfish? because they're strangers 
And so anytime you put their opinions before your own, you're literally putting a stranger before yourself. Yes. And to me, that sounds absurd. And so I think it's this idea that everyone got on board with self-care and self-love, but only after you take care of everyone else before yourself, <laughs> at which point there's right. no time and energy left. And then the moment I started using the word selfish, which started with the book before it, The Joy of Being Selfish, um, once I started using the word selfish, people were like, whoa, whoa, hold on, you've gone too far. Okay, so when exactly is the time and energy meant to come once I've made sure everyone else in my life is happy? When it comes to dating, if you are so busy making sure the date, the, the date you're literally on, the person in front of you is happy with who they're sitting with rather than concerning yourself with whether you like them, they're impressing you, you'll be concerning yourself with trying to fit their standard when that is out of your control. The only thing within your control is whether they meet your standard. And if they ultimately choose to not go on a second date with you, then trust them because again, they're a stranger, but don't take their opinion personally because it doesn't make their, their opinion doesn't mean it's fact. So if they think you're boring and don't want a second date, if they even think you're ugly and don't want a second date, it's just an opinion and right. it's a stranger's opinion. So they haven't earned your respect and they literally can't because it, you've just not spent enough time. And if you think about I don't know, any networking party, party you've gone to, or as an example, even this podcast, if I went on a date, you know me just as much as that first date. Let's mm -hmm. say the date lasts an hour. You'll know me just as much. You still haven't scratched the surface on who I am, which means you can't judge someone. You can't reject someone. And so it's not personal. It's not personal. It's just not like maximum a first date is three hours. You still, I mean, how long have you known your friends in your life? How long have you known your families in your and life? Three hours what? is an outlier first date. That is a mammoth first date. So not even that, you know, that's, that's, exactly. yeah. I mean, you're right. And we take it so personally, but these people don't know us at all. And maybe you're boring to them, but that doesn't mean that you are boring. It's just yeah. not the right fit. I, that's when you start actually as a funny thing. Way, during editing, they actually had to like highlight the word stranger. And I was like, you're using this word too often. And I was like, because <laughs> I'm trying to make a point. It's a stranger, a That's complete right. stranger. I was like, there is another word for it. It's a stranger. So I kept in more strangers than I thought in the book. Just to <laughs> you're not, you're the not wrong. You're not yeah, wrong. exactly. And I was like, what's another word I can use? I'm telling you, this is a person you don't know at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, again, I wish I would have had this book, you know, half my life ago, because the book encourages empowered dating. You write, this is not a book that will teach you how to get a relationship, but it will teach you how to enjoy dating, which, and I'm, this is, these are my words. Now I was like you, I saw dating as the absolute enemy and something that I, it was just a phase I had to get through to get to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Okay. Back to you. It stops date, treating dating as a means to an end and recognizes it as a legitimate phase in life. And this is me now. I think that phase should be celebrated. I think we shouldn't rush through it. Why are we programmed to rush through dating and into a relationship, even if it is the wrong relationship, just so we can get out of dating? When did dating become seen so poorly? It's actually, when you think about dating and I'm not dating anymore, but like, it's, 
it's really kind of fun because you get to meet a lot of people. You get to, if you know, if, if it's a traditional dating scenario as a woman, you get to have a lot of meals bought for you. You know, you get to sample a lot of different people and learn about their lives. Why do we hate dating so much? Because if you think about it, it's actually still such a new thing. So as you said before, like back a generation, they didn't have as many options, but back a generation, you didn't even get the factor of whether the woman liked the man. The woman just would just be chosen Mm -hmm. down to money, down to family, down to reputation, all of these things down to virginity, but they wouldn't be chosen necessarily on looks or personality. And the woman didn't even get any say. So when it comes to dating, not only uh, is all of this quite new, but actually it makes sense why men are slightly ahead of the curve when it comes to asking themselves whether they like the person sitting in front of them and women almost being taught, okay, you have to get men to like you. And I remember picking up all of these women's magazines, what, from like probably an age too young, <laughs> but like mm-hmm. 12 years old. Same, in, same. What does his text mean? And I like you got trained from a very early age to decode men rather than actually let's teach our boys how to communicate so that when they become grown men, they have the same conversational skills that women usually have, the same emotional skills that women normally have. And so as a result, we've become these like mind readers who try to predict what a guy is feeling rather than just asking them, hey, do you want to go on another day or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And to drive this home, you write, stop dating with the goal of a relationship. When you are dating for a specific purpose, it becomes a means to an end. And that sucks the fun out of the entire process. God knows I was this person who was dating with the goal of a relationship. I think, and it's interesting that, you know, my ultimate relationship came when I wasn't looking for it at all, but they, they say that's how it always happens. And in my case, they, whoever they is, is right. But I think people might say relationships are fun. I hope everyone's relationship is fun, but dating, not so much. And so, yeah, I mean, just dating has become so feared almost. And I just, I, I I wish I could tell myself, just have fun with wherever you are in life, just embrace today um, and, and embrace this date and have fun with it. And if it doesn't work out, then it's not a reflection on you and your worth. Just have more fun, you know? Do you agree with me? There are so many perks from dating. There are so many positives from that time period. And actually everyone puts being in a relationship on this pedestal. And now that I'm in like this long-term serious relationship Mm -hmm. that I accidentally ended up in, relationships are bloody hard work and oh, you said it right. yeah yeah you and said even, it. like I would say I'm in a healthy happy relationship but there are weeks where you're just especially when you live together just not getting on sure. and on those weeks it is draining it is exhausting and there are times even when we're in the happiest place where I've turned to my boyfriend and gone do you ever miss just going to a club and getting with someone and we'll just both be like yeah at some point, like when you do actually go like, oh, house parties aren't quite the same now I'm in a relationship. I used to go to a house party and actually the excitement of the potential of who I could meet is different. And like, there were so many things that I didn't notice I would miss until I was in a relationship. And I don't want to be that person because there are enough people in a relationship who moan to single people and go, oh, you should make the most of it. But in all seriousness, like don't put, instead of me saying make the most of your single time because I know it can sound hypocritical now that I'm out of that period in my life 
instead I want to say stop putting putting uh, stop putting being in a relationship on a pedestal because yes. it's hard work even yes. healthy relationships are hard yes. work and even the healthiest of relationships which truly this is the healthiest relationship I've been in are going to be triggering and are going to bring up so much of your childhood we crap. And <laughs> you're you speaking right work. to the choir right now Michelle yes absolutely. yeah and I've like I genuinely like I had to hold my boyfriend's hand and be like we're going through a tough phase right now we'll get through it I love you I want to resolve this but damn all my shit's coming up right now and yep. like I just need you to bear with me yeah all of those skills I learned to communicate were most tested dating. And I, it was not being scared of having these conversations because ultimately believing that actually, if you can't have this hard conversation with me on date five, then you're not going to have this hard conversation with me within a year. Mm-hmm. And it's something like, I mean, I could tell the story in the book, but I burst out crying after our third date because I'd just come back from a funeral. And my boyfriend, he was my boyfriend at the time, it's the third date, but he just held me and like, let me cry. And if I had been earlier in those eight years of dating, I would have never shown that part of me. I would have hidden that part of me. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have let him help me. I would have pretended I was this super independent woman and I would have never wanted to let him see me with makeup streaming down my face in like a mess and crying at, my cry is loud. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I showed that part because, frankly, if you can't deal with me post-funeral, then I'm young, which means I have a lot more death ahead of me than behind me. And Mm -hmm. so if you aren't going to be able to hold my hand through a funeral, then fine. Better I know sooner than later. But it comes with this whole ethos of there was nothing I was hiding intentionally. That if you you run at the sign of surgery scars, then how are you going to hold my hand through an actual surgery? If you run at the fact that I'm plus size, then how are you going to hold my hand when I gain weight through pregnancy? Like... All of these things aren't things to limit your dating pool. These are things to assess the person in front of you with how they deal with them. And yes, 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 yes. And for so many years, I always felt like, and this goes back to like childhood stuff, which we don't need to get into. As you mentioned, you know, the best relationships bring up all kinds of stuff that you weren't expecting about your childhood stuff, but about being chosen. And so when I was dating, I often felt like, well, it it often felt like a one-sided choice. Like they had to choose me, but I had no agency in the choice where in fact I, you do, you have at least 50% agency in the choice and note in noticing these things in the dating process will help prevent heartbreak in, in a potential relationship. I think if you're, you're paying attention to the things like you just said, you know, if they, if, if he can't accept me now and on date three, then, you know, am I going to feel comfortable three years in or a year in, and you ask a really pivotal question in the book, which I think every listener should think about. Would you date you? How important is that to determine before you begin dating? Oh, that was genuinely the best question anyone ever asked me. I can't even remember who asked me that question, but someone asked me that question one day and it genuinely gave me a roadmap for all the things I wanted to work on myself to be better to date and it wasn't things that other people were telling me that you should change but it was actually things I was like I would find this annoying in a person I was dating and it's ultimately coming back to the thing of like if you have needs 
you need to be fulfilling them yourself. And if you can't fulfill those needs, you can't meet your own expectations. Then Mm -hmm. expecting another person to do that is unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And asking someone more than you ask yourself is a dangerous road to go on because it leaves you reliant on the person. And within a healthy relationship, even a dating casual relationship, there needs to be a balance between being able to fulfill your own needs and being able to allow other people to fulfill those needs by communicating really directly. So I remember one of the things when um, I asked myself, would you date you? I was like, no, because I am not very good at when I'm in a uh, confrontation, I shut down. Like I will become really cold. I will um, reply in one word answers. I will probably death glare you until the conversation is over. And I was like, you know what? I don't like that. And let me imagine being in an argument with a person like that. I would shut down too. So I was like, okay, well then what can I do instead? Okay, well, first of all, stop glaring at people (laughs) while you're angry. Like you don't need to communicate that. Take a step away, breathe, come back to the situation when you can actually speak your mind and say what you need to say. Um, But all of those things, were things I learned because I asked myself the question, would you date you? I love that. I am really into lately, the show's on, I think, year three of its existence. And in 2023, I've been asking all of my guests for a takeaway tip, if I can, in each episode. So with you, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to give listeners just one takeaway tip for how to be more empowered, we'll say in this case on first dates. So first dates, at least when I was, oh my gosh, I can't, I think I would rather stand up in front of a crowd of 5,000 people and give a speech than go on one first date. I I, I hated them. Um, and I'm thankful that prayerfully, I, I never have to go on another one again, but that, but then I didn't have your book at the time. And now I would probably be more excited about it, but I want, for our takeaway tip today, I would love for you to give listeners how to be more empowered on first dates. To show up as yourself. And what I mean by that is if you don't wear makeup normally, don't wear makeup on the first date. If you're usually in hoodie and a tracksuit, um, I think that's what you call it in America. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Track, um, uh-huh. If you're usually in a hoodie and a tracksuit, then go on your date in a hoodie and a tracksuit. Start following the rules of what you shouldn't do, shouldn't do on a first date. So things like don't talk about your exes. I've had some amazing dates where we've just talked about our worst exes. Uh, don't worry too much if you say something silly. If someone's going to judge you on saying something silly, then you don't want to be around that person. That's a really judgmental person. I don't know a single human in the world who does it hasn't said something ditzy once in a while. Yeah. Um, All of these, you don't need to prepare conversation topics as if you're going on a job interview. You can just have a normal conversation. You can start the conversation with something as mundane as how are you? How is your day? And start Mm -hmm. the conversation there. If it flows, it flows. And ultimately, if you're going to end up in a relationship or even dating someone who you are going to spend that much time with, you're going to need someone where the conversation flows. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time when you are dating someone long-term, the conversation will be as mundane as how are you? So if it works on a first date, it will continue working. And if it doesn't work on a first date, then you know earlier on. And when you are sitting on that first date, be a conscious of the person sitting in front of you. Every time you go into your head and tell yourself stories or even just talk to yourself about like, 
oh, he's really good looking here or whatever it is, um, you're actually distracting yourself from all the signs that are being shown to you. And when you're conscious on a first date of how you are feeling rather than how what they think of you, that's when you can make, make the best assessment. I love that. You know, I'm thinking about some of my favorite pieces of, of advice from the book about, you know, you taught me more about the difference between loneliness versus being alone, um, how, you know, if healthy relationships are possible for everyone, just so much here. But what do you hope listeners ultimately take away from the selfish romantic? I hope you, everyone realizes that they can communicate how they feel and that it's never too much and it's never unreasonable. And if someone tells you that your needs are too much, then go find someone else who will meet those needs mm -hmm. because that person exists. And more so than all of that, that no matter what you look like, no matter what label the world wants to put on you, whether it's disabled or mixed race or all of these labels that get thrown around to put us into boxes, the person in front of you doesn't need to know these labels as disclaimers because it's not reasons to not date you and as much as the world will tell you these are reasons that make you difficult to date everyone is difficult to date and it has nothing to do with your labels it's to do with things like whether you can communicate during an argument whether you can apologize there are so many things you can work on in order to be better to date or more fun to date and it actually has nothing to do with your appearance. So mm -hmm. if you have this idea in your head, you have to change what you look like in order to increase your dating pool. First of all, no, you don't. And second of all, if you do that, you are putting yourself down a slippery slope where you are gonna end up dating someone who expects you to maintain that physical change in you. When frankly, I don't want that, the kind of love that's so trans, uh, so transitional and also so fragile. I said, in a post actually on Instagram two days ago that their attraction to you is not that fragile. And if it's as fragile as them seeing you with bedhead for the first time, then you don't want them anyway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, if nothing else from this conversation, it's that on when you're dating, if they can't handle you, you know, not being able to get, having a goof or a gaff on a first or second or third date, then how are they going to handle you at your worst moment at your lowest moment crying? And, you know, just, I mean, it's, 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 it's so good because it's, while you don't have to be perfect on the early stages of dates, it is an indicator of how the relationship could be down the road. And I, for so long, never paid attention to that. I was so, as I said before, just entrenched in being chosen that I overlooked thousands of red flags, you know, and I, I would just do it a lot differently now, but I'm, I'm just glad that it ultimately all landed me to where I am today. And I think you would, you might say the same for yourself. And then you went on and wrote a book about it. So thank you for that. You know, <laughs> you took all of your experiences and put it all, all in paperback and hardback. So thank you. Now I'm just waiting for an ex to reach out to me and be like, Hey, you wrote about me, which is not. Yeah, yet. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for putting my text to you on WhatsApp. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, it, the book's only been out for 20 days, but I have not yet got that message. But I am sort of waiting for someone uh -huh. to discover it eventually. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, my exes are very lucky that I'm not, that I have no plans to write a book about my dating life because they, there's a lot, there's a lot there, but you know what? The hazard of dating an author. So if you're listening, <laughs> you're I know, right? We're going to Taylor Swift you one by one. By yeah, one. this is your, your red flag, your warning flag. <laughs> If you want to date an author, then be prepared to be written about. 
I hear you. Well, so much, so much good advice packed into these pages. Again, advice I wish I had had when I started dating. The book is The Selfish Romantic, How to Date Without Feeling Bad About Yourself. It's out January 24th. Michelle, you are just a joy. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved the chat. Just in time for Valentine's Day, I hope you'll remember that, first of all, Valentine's Day, I'm getting on my soapbox here, is a Hallmark holiday and totally contrived, and that is coming from a total romantic and lover of love, but I digress. As I was saying, however you're celebrating Valentine's Day, you are worthy, lovable, and fantastic. You can always know at least one person is thankful for you, and that person is me, and I'm sure many more where that came from. One more time, the book is The Selfish Romantic, How to Date Without Feeling Bad About Yourself. It's out today, January 24th. By the end of the month, friends, we've got chats on everything from wellness to leadership and so much more, plus a packed February behind that. So stick around for more of season six.